0: Before we get into today's game scoop, let's take a moment for a shout out to our sponsor, Squarespace. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether you're just starting out or managing a growing brand, Squarespace makes it easy to create an awesome website, connect with your audience and sell anything, all in one place, all on your terms. With Squarespace, you can easily sell custom merch and create a passive income stream. You design your products and production, inventory and shipping are all handled for you, saving you time and money. You can sell your products in an online store. Whether you sell physical, digital, or service products, Squarespace has the tools you need to start selling online. Use insights to grow your business, learn where your site visits and sales are coming from, and analyze which channels are most effective. Improve your website and build a marketing strategy based on top keywords or most popular products. Ready to get started? Head over to squarespace.com gamescoop for a free trial. And when it's showtime, use our special promo code, GAMESCOOP, to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN Game Scoop. I'm your host, Damon Hadfield. Joining me this week are Tina Amini.
3: Hi, everybody. Just,
0: Justin Davis. The scoop. And Sam Claiborne. Hey, everybody. And we've got a great show for you this week. We're going to discuss kind of a philosophical question about video game credits and whether we watch them, whether we should watch them. Uh, we'll share what we've been playing, which for my part has been Blaster Master 03, and multiple people have been asking me why I have why we didn't talk about it last week. I could talk about it this week. Finally, got around to downloading that one. But first, uh, we begin this week <clears throat> with um, just more impressive sales numbers for the Nintendo Switch with 89 million units sold. The Nintendo Ooh. Switch has now outsold the Xbox 360 and the PlayStation 3, which is a little insane to me. It's now the number five best selling home console of all time. On track? track, on track Is to pass it? the Wii. Is it a home console? Well, yeah. There's true. there's
4: your stat weirdness because at the time Xbox was competing with you know the DS and then the 3DS. So
0: yeah, um, it's all in one now. But yeah, if you I, you know I think we can compare it to other home consoles. It's just it's insane to me. They're on track to pass the Wii within the, by like March of next year, basically. Which with
5: the I, Wii. The Wii was such a story of like, it's in retirement homes and it's taken over the entire (laughs) world. It's this international success. And like people do talk about the switch that way somewhat, but I don't really think it gets the same credit that the Wii got. And yet it's going to end up being the bigger console. Yeah.
0: It's surprising to me. Uh, It's like you say, I, I, we've known the Switch has been selling; it's been the best-selling console in the U.S. for the past 36 months, but it, it hasn't been like the cultural phenomenon that the Wii was, like you were just saying, Justin. So I don't know, Tina. Were you surprised uh, by how quickly the Switch is reaching this milestone?
3: Um, not quite. I I think I'm, it's, it's already slated to surpass the Wii, which makes so much more sense to me. I think it's crazy when you look back at the numbers, like the Wii is at around 101 million units, um, with the switch at 89. So it's, it's already like slated to, especially because of the upcoming, uh, holiday season and whatnot, they're projecting that it's rapidly be reaching the Wii. But I just feel like the technology is so much more advanced nowadays that the same appeal of some of that, like, cool, um, in, like riding off of the Nintendo brand, but cool, uh, you know, built new abilities and some of that technology that people were really interested in when it came to Wii Sports should kind of translate over. And we still see like Nintendo is still such a brand name, like such a mainstream name for people that we still see like the, the Nintendo Switch getting referenced in in shows and movies and whatnot. So I think that mm-hmm. that's a good indicator that it's, uh, it's right on the heels of the Wii. And I would be surprised if it didn't overpass it soon.
0: Yeah. Like, like Nintendo, uh, says they're going to pass it, uh, by the end of their fiscal year, which is March of next year. Um, Sam, it's, I feel like that, that generation, the 360 and the PS3 generation, that was like a, such a great time for gaming and for games. And I feel like there was a lot of growth back then. So I think that's why I'm surprised to hear that the Switch has, has already outsold both the 360 and PS3. But sort of w- where do you come down on all this?
4: Well, you got to remember, uh, that, um, there's two circles of audiences that are now being combined in one with Nintendo. And they always had the Pokemon, you know, handheld players, like I was talking about earlier. And then the Wii was this big separate thing that really didn't have a lot of crossover with their handheld at the time, kind of two different audiences. So like really I bet Nintendo wished they had two different consoles that were doing, you know, better and almost as good as other systems. But instead they just have one now, right? So they can push it harder. Now I also add that as a cultural phenomenon, We've talked about this year before. Animal Crossing was the biggest game of the pandemic. And it was the biggest game last year. And the most talked about thing since I think Fortnite, I think it was a cultural huge thing. And what was important about Animal Crossing is that Wii Sports was fun for a couple weeks and everybody was into it. Animal Crossing was fun for a lot longer and it was hard to get. And then more people got into it. Like it's just a lot longer of an experience to kind of uh, hype up the, uh, the Switch on its own.
5: Mm -hmm. we you know sam's right about the ds and 3ds i mean the the switch is overwhelmingly successful nintendo they've never been more profitable the company is doing fine but like they do have to hang their hat on this like one thing now and all their development teams are able to support this single console um you know games coming out this fall like why are wearing metroid i think they look really really good so this isn't like a knock against them but in a different world those would have been like handheld games right they would have been like ds games or 3ds games but now. Since Nintendo only has this one console, it's like all of their efforts. Like we're getting both barrels of Nintendo all focused on the Switch. It's kind of cool, um, but uh, but it, it does mean that, like, gosh, what a gamble that that, that they took with it. Yeah, and sure. I, and and then it makes me wonder where you know where that company goes from here. I, I'm always the the farther we get into the Switch's lifespan, like eventually sales will peter out. It's like what does Nintendo look like in three years or four years from now? I'm so fascinated by that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's worth noting that uh, all that eighty-nine million in sales is all just you know, you know, the, basically the launch model of the Switch. There's also the light, also, but there, there's no difference in power there. There hasn't been a, a mid-generation hmm. upgrade yet, which, which is my point. So people aren't really double dipping on their switches. Like maybe they did with their PlayStation Four. What
3: are you Some talking of, about the OLED is coming out? I'm the
0: OLED is coming up. OLED? Yeah, but you know, yeah,
3: Switch, switch light. Yeah. Is anybody I mean,
0: going
4: is going for the OLED here? Not, I'm I. not I. I no. wasn't able to no. get one. Not and for I, us. I didn't regret it.
0: Yeah. For looking at uh, the Switch's path for home consoles, who it's gonna, who who it still has to overtake. The next step would be the Wii, uh, which Tina was saying is about one hundred and one point five million sold. Then the original PlayStation, which is very close, <laughs> one hundred and two point five million. Then the PlayStation Four, one hundred and sixteen million sold. Ooh. absolutely insane for that console and then the, the playstation 2 which is probably impossible for any console to catch up to ever with 155 million 155. units sold. wow yeah.
5: so the switch the switch has a credible path to being number
0: two probably yeah it has to beat 100 it has to beat the playstation 4
5: yeah i mean well, if well, they don't I've chop off the its chip legs, shortages
3: in a thing again no
0: kidding. yeah
5: yeah Yeah. As long as, you know, again, depending on what Nintendo's planning, like if they let it sort of extend out the normal console lifecycle, like yeah, I think the Switch will end up being the number two bestseller
0: of all time. Crazy. (laughs) Nintendo's such an interesting company to follow.
4: They can also just call their next console the Switch, also, and then they just lump all those sales and not change it too much. Stick with it. (laughs)
0: Like Uh, iPhone. Like iPhone. Like iPhone. Yeah. Let's share what we've been playing. Who would like to go first? Tina, have you been playing something?
3: No, not at all. I have been playing the game of life. (laughs) um, So skip me. (laughs) I haven't gotten to anything after Legendary Edition. Took a little break.
0: Sam, I know you were traveling recently. Yeah,
4: I I got back into Breath of the Wild. I feel super guilty about it. Why would you feel guilty? Well, you know, it's. I guess it's a guilty pleasure. I I um I started playing um master mode um a while ago, and then I was like, okay, I have some really long plane flights ahead of me, and and that that was really great. But what I did do that was new was that I brought um Labo the first kit for Labo on the plane to another country, uh, to play with my nephew, who is now I I presumed of Labo age. He's like between five and six. Uh He's also an avid fisher and busted out the little fishing game in there. Uh, had his dad help put it together. Super, super huge hit. Just massive hit. We actually went fishing twice and then came straight back and played Labo Fishing with the fishing pole. And he was like, he's, so, he's like a little tiny kid. He knows a lot about fishing. and So, like, you know, he's just in there, like, automatically doing, like, the, the moves for, like, pulling the hook and everything. And I was like, this is what Labo was Meant to be all about. It was really fun and it was a great family experience and I loved it. That's awesome. Yeah. Those are complicated too. Like it did require adults. Yeah. For a six year. Yeah. yeah. A little bit. Under yeah. Six
0: and then are, are you making progress in uh master yeah. mode on Breath of the Wild?
4: Yeah. I mean, all I do is grind because I'm trying to make it so I don't get instantly killed by everything. I'm also trying to not die or sorry. I'm not going to not kill anything because then everything levels up. So basically, mm. I'm running, hiding, stealthing, and then doing shrines. It's just an, it's just it. like playing like a crazy person. It's just really, really strange. And of course, I can't do any of the main goals until I have enough ways to survive. But I did get the master sword, so now I have something that doesn't break all the time.
5: Mm. Master mode is really, really hard. I tried to play it, you know, whenever it first came yeah. out, and then I very quickly realized it is not for me.
4: Yeah, I can do the. Um, <laughs> But one of the big things I did was I, I killed a, um, what are the big Minotaurs? Whatever the, those things are. Yeah. For some reason, it's escaping me. And then I also did the, uh, the really hard trial dungeons with the, um, the uh, Guardians that, like, you know, it's like a very difficult test of strength or whatever. I'm able to do those now in Master Mode, which feels super badass.
0: Wow. And Justin, I think you're playing
5: Magic. I'm playing a few different things, but yeah, I got, you can blame Tom Marks for getting me back into Magic the Gathering Arena, which, um, which I played. So there's a few different ways to play Magic Online. There is Magic the Gathering Online, which is like a very old school, like it's the exact same thing as the paper game, just, you know, in an online client. And you can actually redeem your online cards for paper cards. Like it's meant to be one to one in that way. Whereas Magic Arena is a much more like, Hearthstoneized version of Magic. Like it's uh, the same game and the same rules. And they actually followed the same like expansion releases. So they're doing the Dungeons and Dragons set of cards now. Um, and I was waiting and waiting, waiting for Magic Arena to come to Mac and come to iOS. And, um, I, I don't think it just came out. Like I think it came out like a year ago or something, but, um, but I finally just downloaded it and got into it and I am having a great time. I feel like it's a great combination of like, Magic the Gathering has real uh, labyrinthine, ridiculous, complex rule sets and interactions. And then Hearthstone is a lot more simpler and accessible. And it kind of it, it strikes a good balance between the two. Um, I'm really enjoying it so far. And it's, it's been pretty easy to play and have a lot of success playing for free, too, which has been nice.
4: Is this a game, you just mentioned playing for free. Do you buy card packs also? Or can you, and my further follow-up mm. question, can you sell cards? Mm.
5: No. So yeah, like Magic the Gathering online has an actual economy to it. Like you can, you can buy and sell online and, and, uh, Magic Arena is not that way. No, it's all digital. So yes, you can buy card packs, but it's only digital card packs that stay within the arena sort of whatever you want to call it infrastructure. And they can't arena is its own kind of self-contained thing. So it is very much like Hearthstone <laughs> where you can spend, you know, $1 or $100 on card packs, but they only stay in arena. Mm. um and i've been playing for free um i i like to i don't mind spending money in free-to-play games but i like the challenge of like how far can i make it playing for free that's like a little meta game that i like to enjoy and like yeah. i've been having a lot of success with that so far
0: and, and the game kind of showers packs on you at least in this early stage i was gonna ask so is it like hearthstone where you just start out with a core set of cards and you can either buy or earn more card packs Yep.
5: Yeah, and they have a season they have a season pass too where you're in some junk for free. And then if you buy the season pass, you get more the more you play. Um I also want to give a shout out to uh there's a new game from the developer of You Must Build a Boat and 10 Million called Infinity Island. It's out on the App Store now. And um, me and my daughters have been playing that together and having a good time. Um after playing so many Apple arcade games, it's weird to sort of wade back into I, I don't know, I would almost call it old school mobile gaming at this point. We're like, the game has advertisements in it and it has in-app purchases mm-hmm. in it. I'm like, get that out of here. I'm so used to Apple Arcade, yeah. but um, but, you know, I'll play every single game that that indie developer makes and um, I'm really kind of hooked on it right now.
0: It, it just mentioning it makes me want to go back and play You Must Build a Boat again. It's been many <laughs> I've never years. I've heard of
5: that game. What is It's it? great. It's
0: impossible to describe. It, But at its core, <laughs> at its core, it's like a match three puzzle, yeah. uh, you're, it's, it's kind of a quest, also, and you're you're, you're trying just, to earn. Enough. You're
5: collecting things, and I don't know. <laughs> like it is it does kind of divide description, but yeah, Damon, you're right. Like it's that game is match three, Infinity Island, the new game is not. It's a very different, weird thing.
4: Well, let's ban that from Twenty Questions because we'd never get it. Oof.
5: That's very true. I don't know what genre I would call it. Ban it. Bring people some good
4: ideas out there, hopefully. No, no, it's not the meta. Uh, well, I also sorry, I I.
5: I I'll report back on it next week and the next time we do games or gaming, but I bowed to peer pressure and I installed and started playing final fantasy 14 again oh, as well. Hmm. So, um, I'm like three nights in, I think I'm like level 12 or something like that. I have played the game before and it didn't stick. And this time I'm making like a real commitment to like, I don't know, like I'm actually going to like work really hard to try to see if it sticks. And, um, If it doesn't, then I'll know that like the game's just not for me at all. But like, I think every time an expansion comes out, I give it another shot and I'm playing on the same server as IGN people this time. And so I'm like, I'm committed to giving it a real, a real chance. I roll, I forget the races, but I made a character, the little tiny cute people. They're like, they're like little, (laughs) they're like little bunny people. And um, she's
0: really cute. And I'm having a lot of fun. You're actually like playing with other people.
5: Well, I'm too low level yet, but I'm going to try to catch up to them and then we'll, we'll go on adventures together.
0: Got it. Cool. Keep us informed. I will. Uh, I've been playing Blaster Master Zero 03, which I like a lot and is very similar to the previous, uh, games. I, I know I've been a big proponent of Blaster Master 0 and Zero 02. So uh, these games are very, very much Daimy games from any creates. So they're, uh, known for amazing pixel art and old school action games. Uh, it, I think these is such an interesting case of taking an NES game that's a little bit on the obscure side, even though it is the official game, uh, the default 20 questions answer uh, game. It's interesting to just take an old game like that and sort of explode it using uh, modern mechanics and modern practices. And it's it's much more playable than what you know, a lot of the older NES 8-bit uh, action games are today. So it's really cool. It's also really cool, Sam, to see a game uh, open up with the Sunsoft logo today.
4: Oh, yeah, I didn't think it's about that. Cool. Is that just for funsies? Is there a Sunsoft?
0: I think there is a Sunsoft uh and I think they've like licensed Blaster Master out to any crates. Um anyway, this it, it's kind of like a Metroidvania uh game where you you have of course you have your tank that you're moving around in the overworld and then you can get out of your tank with you have a little person and you go in to do some like dungeon diving, fight monsters, find upgrades for your tank, fight bosses. It's a uh, it's very old school in that way. Uh but it's great. It's a very very satisfying gameplay loop. If I have any criticisms it's, it's that it kind of just throws you, at the very beginning, throws you into the game with not much of a recap of what happened in the last game, but it kind of expects you to have played it recently. It's been years since i played it, so I was like, well, I don't really remember who this person was or what was going on. I would say that for this type of game, there's probably a little too much story and dialogue to trying to cram in there. Lots of like planet names and character names and alien names and, and stuff that I'm not, not really interested in keeping up with all that. I kind of just want to play at this school retro game with cool pixel art but aside from that it seems okay so far i'm only a few hours into it i recommend if you don't start with this one play at least play blaster master zero two before you try to play this one let's check in with the listeners Hey, listeners. Listeners, remember, you can always reach us at the email address, gamescoop at IGin.com, just like Matthew from Colorado Springs did. And he says, I am writing to ask a question that has formed a divide between my son and I. We are both Uh video game enthusiasts, appreciating different genres, but united in our love for the hobby. Recently, I finished A Plague Tale Innocence and watched the credits roll by. My son came by the man cave, noted what I was doing, and voiced his opinion that watching credits is stupid. And a waste of time. For my part, (laughs) I feel that watching the credits at the end of a game serves two purposes. First, it is a cathartic experience for me, clearly delineating between playing the game and finishing the game. I engage in a similar ritual when watching anime with my son, forcing him to sit through the opening and closing credits of each episode. Secondly, I watch the credits as a sign of respect to the hardworking folks that produce the games I love. In my view, their efforts deserve Five minutes of my attention. Besides, I delight in finding hidden gems in the credits, such as when I finished Astro's Playroom. What is the opinion of the Goose Camp counselors on watching closing credits at the end of a video game? I'd love to hear your take on this apparently divisive issue.
3: I think that's so spot on, um, especially the respect thing. I think is very sweet. I imagine a lot of people feel like five minutes of their time is really precious. Um, and especially in this like on-demand culture that we live in at 100% does feel that way comparatively, but, you know, there's a tradition. We go to screenings at, you know, Lucasfilm in San Francisco quite often, and there's a tradition that you sit through the entire credits before anybody gets up and anyone leaves. Yeah. Well, because we've been in the pandemic for a year and a half and that hasn't (laughs) been a reality, but, um, I like that. And I can see why for some people who might not be appreciative of like the scale of work that goes into it, or if they're not as in tune with the medium as like an, an, an art as a craft. Um, if they're just there for the entertainment, I can see that it's not for everybody. I personally do, especially lately. Um, the older that I've gotten, uh, enjoy sitting through credits, uh, and then movies in particular. And this happens with video games. Mm. Sometimes there's like a section of the credits that you wouldn't have anticipated like carpentry and it's all the Mm. carpenters that are being credited for whatever they've built for the the sets and the studios and, um, the props and whatnot. And I think it's really fascinating to get a good impression of what kind of work went into it. And then you'll see like different global regions being cited and like all the Mm -hmm. localization that goes into it, all the translation that goes into it. And it really makes me think about like, wow, yeah, I didn't consider that that level of work would have gone into this particular game or that it would have been required for it. Um, so it's, it's just you know further insight into the project if you have that appreciation, and then the last thing I'll say is I completely agree about the it being a cathartic experience too because I like to especially with for narrative driven games, I really like to sit and think about everything that I've just played and what what I feel about it, so it kind of goes hand in hand with just like watching the credits roll by as I'm processing all of it mm-hmm.
4: so I, I I agree with all of those points it's really, really stewed. I really like looking at certain parts of credit roles. Um, I like the music. That's always at the end, so I feel like I'm always stuck to get there, and I always like seeing like, who they compose, especially in movies when they're using pop music, but games are using that a lot now, right? So I really like seeing, like, oh, that was actually, like, a vintage track or, like, something that somebody composed for it. I think that's really fun. And then I also like seeing games get this now, too, uh, where things are made uh, around the world, uh, As uh, but specifically with film, I love seeing where they're shot. <coughs> So I'm like, oh, that whole movie, which takes place in London, was shot in Atlanta. That's like <laughs> fascinating to me. I think that's really funny when that happens, and it's really cool. And then, um, of course, interactive credits are a blast, and I they're not common. I I don't know. Like maybe, like I, I would hope teams have some input on whether you can like shoot their names or not, because maybe not everybody would be okay with that. But I do like it. Like Smash Brothers has that famous like attack the credits, you know roll at the end, and some other games have like little mm-hmm. mini games you play, and some other games just have like Easter eggs or you know like fun fun images that they show. And uh, final thing I'll say is that it used to be that the credits in a game were the thing you were playing the game for. Like the ending was basically like maybe two screens and credits. <laughs> like thinking any Mario Super Mario Brothers NES game or anything like that, it's like <laughs> that's what you're getting to. So you know, like Mega Man, would, like walk through the seasons, you know, yeah. and they'd show the credits. Like yeah. That's That was the ending, you know? So I think a lot of people are kind of like, you know, maybe are, are 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 still hanging on to that that part of uh, a little bit of nostalgia about Washington.
0: Justin, how about you? Yeah, it, this
5: is a bit of a weird question for me because, like, a lot of my games that are my most played games and my favorite games are not really the type... They're, they're, you know, Minecraft or Stardew Valley, or like I've been playing Graveyard Keeper lately, or like Neko Atsume on the iPad. I'm like, do these games have credit roles? I don't really know. <laughs> Maybe Minecraft does when you beat the Ender Dragon. I'm not like really sure, but um, I, I have a tendency to gravitate towards, you know, open ended, sandboxy, creative game experiences. Like, obviously, I'm playing plenty of narrative games too, but like the credit watching or viewing experience doesn't really like, stick in my mind is something that's like important to me when I'm playing a game. I I completely agree with Sam on like, I have very vivid memories of uh, appreciating and enjoying like the lean back credits experience, even all the way up through the N64 era, like Super Mario 64. And I still know the song that plays during the credits of that game. And like Ocarina of Time, like Nintendo in particular, in that era of games of like, Taking you through a journey of like what you just experienced um is a really, really positive, fond memory of mine, but when it comes to modern gaming and the way that I'm interfacing with games, it's like um I'm mostly just kind of playing them on my own terms rather than rather than point a to point B in that many narrative games at this point
4: mm-hmm. I remember being shocked the first time I saw a button to skip credits like mm-hmm. on on lots of levels, like one like I felt like, ooh, that feels disrespectful." And- and another, I was like, that's so convenient. And another, I was like, oh, wait, it'll just save my game that way? Because it was before, like, one of the things about letting the credits roll, especially with Ocarina of Time or something, is like, well, there's a new Game Plus mode that you, you're going to get to, but you have to play through it, and you have to save at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. You know, so that there's, like, an incentive to
3: watch the credits. Uh, there's one more thing about credits that I like, which is um, some studios do a list of credits for production babies. So it's just oh, yeah. all the babies that were born yeah, throughout born. the production yeah. of a game. Yeah, I think that's very sweet. What,
5: yeah. What was the game that did... Oh, shoot. Something did production dogs or so pets. Mm. Yeah, I've the seen other,
4: pets before. I think yeah. God of War did that.
5: Maybe it was God of War. Yeah. Yeah.
4: That's I mean, really funny. The Sony first party games stand out to me as like as and maybe Ubisoft also as like the most credits I've ever seen, like not, not, not adding any judgment to that in any way. It's just I cannot believe how many people work on a major first party game like versus a movie, right? Like, like it's more people. It's it's incredible how many people are credited. And it's like it's like when you watch a Marvel movie, once you get to the motion effects, you're like, whoa, this is this is as many people as used to make, you know, a single movie doing, you know, one set of shots in this movie. But, like, games now, they're incredible. those amount of people, it's just mind-blowing.
0: Yeah. In general, I watch the credits. Um, I, I try to, although, I, you know, in, in all fairness, uh, Matthew from Colorado Springs says he can give uh, developers five minutes of his time. But in, in all fairness, I think any, you know, AAA video game, the credits last quite a bit longer than five <laughs> minutes
1: these days. I don't these know. Days.
0: That's
4: actually, I'm kind of interested now to see what, what credit rolls are like, or if they, like, try to tune them to be under a certain...
3: Okay. This needs it's to be the next evolution of how long to beat. It's like how long to watch the credits roll. <laughs> yeah.
0: This is, it it it's also
4: a good 20, good twenty questions. Question: Does this game have credits? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Justin, apparently, um, Final Fantasy fourteen is the, the has the longest credits of any MMO. They go oh. for like forty seven <laughs> minutes.
5: Forty seven minutes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but then, just from like a quick Google search, apparently, the game with the longest credits is Mighty Number no. Nine. That, la- that roll on for over oh, three hours. You know oh. why? Because, because of, of yeah. Kickstarter backers. It must be. Yeah.
4: And it was mm-hmm. one of the early Kickstarter backers, so I'm sure there's like, you know, 100,000 people at $5 or whatever. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so I, they can, you know, tend to stretch on for uh, quite a while now. So I appreciate when they've done more uh, to give me to look at than just a scrolling list of white text on a black background. You know, hopefully there's something a little bit more going on. They should run a. They should run like a giveaway of like somewhere
5: in these credits is going to be like an email address and mm-hmm. send us a secret code and the first person to do it wins a yeah. hundred bucks.
3: No, the the first person to do it is going to be within the five the you know next five seconds of release and then everyone else is screwed.
4: <laughs> yeah. yeah.
3: Okay. Well, maybe you, the idea needs workshopping. Do <laughs> you,
4: you remember how we used to do that? Maybe we did we did it on Game Scoop. But I, I remember when I was on NBC or hosting NBC, we'd give away on the podcast, we'd, like, read a number for, like, mm-hmm. a giveaway card or something on it. You'd read it at the beginning, at the end, or whatever.
0: I wonder who won those. Yeah, we would, mm-hmm. it would be, like, a code for a, a PS4 game, and I'd read four of the characters at the beginning of the show, four in the middle, and four at the end.
4: Mm. I mean, it must have been, like, that That was so easy to game in hindsight, just like what you're saying. It's like, somebody got that <laughs> in the first, like, run. they got, they, they, they knew when things showed up on iTunes, they yeah. scrubbed around,
0: mm-hmm. like... Uh There's also the end credits scene. To be a good way to get people to stick around. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't generally stick around for all the movie credits, but that's I do for every Marvel movie.
4: Yeah, well, mm-hmm. Netflix allows you, or Disney Plus allows you to skip the credits to the it skipped credit scene. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. that. Did the scene. Yeah,
5: that's a well, new Netflix makes it hard. You have to, like, scramble to even watch the credits if you want to. <laughs> so <laughs> true, yes,
3: because they're already showing you the next. next thing. It's like, wait a minute, <laughs> wait. <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah. Speaking of um, things to watch on Netflix, I I'm, I've just finished season three of Castlevania, so I just have one more season. <laughs> oh, season show. four is so good. they also. I so will
5: good. say I. I think I think we're all pro credits and watching credits on this show, but it is a little bit cruel to make your son watch every opening and closing (laughs) credits of an anime show. It's true. Because those shows are 22 minutes long and six of those minutes are going to be credits.
3: So true. (laughs) And it's not like they, you know, they they make them uh, unique per episode or anything. I was thinking the exact same thing. Yeah, it gets uh, it gets very rote after a while
5: watch it watch them once
3: Yep. Yeah. yep totally because they're them once. great, and then they're when great there's a, music performances but yes
5: mm-hmm. and then, then when there's a new song you have to watch it again every yeah. 80 episodes or so they change it
3: and like the internet will tell you when it changes so yep Whoa. Mm-hmm. that's what i did for one piece mm-hmm.
5: dude no. it's crazy if you take out the credits and stuff out of one piece and all the garbage out of that show that show and i and i say this as a fan but that shows like 14 minutes long <laughs>
0: So we're pro credits. Um, however, I have to say myself, I'm not a fan of this, this this modern way of saying you beat a game, saying you rolled credits. Mm. Yeah, oh, I just, it's
5: such a pet peeve of mine, and like no. many people at IGN, you know, so like people I that I like. I, I fall like,
4: into that trap somehow. I feel yeah. like I say that now.
5: I think part of it is like beat the game is sort of like an outdated. You know, you can play. There's there's story mode difficulties and any sort of like our language has evolved that like. Rolled credits implies that, like, I've reached the end of the adventure in a way that, like, beat, beat the game is maybe a little bit outdated. Remember
4: so. Death Stranding? You can, you can, I think you could roll the credits three times. There look, was, like, credits on a beach.
0: There look, was credits somewhere else. Look, the website isn't howlongtorollcredits.com. Yeah, yeah, it's true. We should probably register that in defense. <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah, 100%. That's the next evolution.
4: Hey, will you make a credit roll for Game Scoop oh. this episode? Uh it's
1: like yes. five
3: people long. Um in uh so Lucy says, because she's she's from New Zealand, spent a lot of time in Australia, they say uh that they clocked it. They clocked the game. Mm. That's their version of mm. Beat the Game.
4: Remember the British one? Uh Solved
3: It? Oh. Solved the game.
4: <laughs> solved the game.
3: That works for puzzle games. <laughs> yeah. It and only puzzle games. Yeah. It's so weird.
4: <laughs> yeah.
3: Solved it like or like,
0: like, or like noir mystery games. It's to me it's like
4: all yeah, totally totally all solve the mystery yeah.
0: yeah. All of a sudden trying to tell people it's at, it's pronounced animated gif. It's like no we've been doing it this one way this whole time or let's just keep it that way. It's fine the way it is. Good Chop offers fully customizable boxes of high-quality meats and seafood delivered to your door on your schedule. Your tasty proteins are vacuum-sealed and frozen at peak freshness, so you can stock your freezer and cook when you're ready. Choose from over 70 high-quality cuts, 100% grass-fed ribeyes, USDA prime filet mignon, free-range and organic chicken breasts, pork tenderloin, and thick-cut bacon, just to name a few. They also offer sustainable and wild-caught seafood, salmon, Pacific Cod, scallops, shrimp, and more. My recent Good Chop box included a couple delicious boneless 10-ounce ribeye steaks. I also got some Alaskan sockeye salmon filets that I baked in foil with lemon juice, garlic cloves, and a little parsley. And then there was the thick-cut bacon that I've been baking up for breakfast with my eggs. Saving me trips to the grocery store or butcher means I have more time for important things like spending time with my family and, of course, playing video games. Go to goodchop.com slash gamescoop120 and use code gamescoop120 to get $120 off across your first four boxes. That's code gamescoop120 at goodchop.com slash gamescoop120 for $120 off. goodchop.com slash gamescoop120, code gamescoop120.
1: As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch.
0: This is Mike Staub from Long Island, New York. Uh, I remember, you, you might remember a couple of weeks ago, I said I was uh, playing the Cotton reboot, which is uh, something I'm still enjoying. He says, I love the show. You all do amazing work. It's one of my necessary listens each week. Video game 20 questions is also some of the most fun to have while driving to and from work on my 40 to 60 minute commute. I wanted to write to you about the Cotton reboot, but more specifically, the Japanese computer it appeared on. Damon had mentioned that Cotton was originally on a console called the X68000 in Japan. To clarify a bit, the Sharp X68000, or X68K, as the cool kids call it, is an amazing Japanese PC from the 80s and 90s. One of my closest friends actually has a full X68K setup, and every year we bring it to the video game convention we run, Long Island Retro Gaming Expo. We set the PC up in our museum section that's full of obscure consoles, old PCs, and Japanese imports. It's a real blast of an event, and the X68K is always one of the most sought-after items to play. It's very difficult to assemble all the parts to complete this Voltron beast, but it's an amazing in person. It looks, feels, and sounds amazing. For some history, game developers used to use the X68K to develop a lot of games, especially arcade games. So you can play arcade-perfect versions of many classic games on this computer. Wow, cool. If you have the right controllers, two of my favorites are Dragon Spirit and Final Fight. But the best of the X68K games that we showcase at the convention is Akumojo Dracula or Castlevania. Later released on the PSX and the Castlevania Chronicles collection. What? But which, um, I mean, what arcade version of Castlevania would that be? Well, I think I, I don't think it is the arcade version. So, which version of Ca- just because, like the original Castlevania, is just an NES game or a, a PlayChoice 10 game, right? So, I, don't, I just don't know yeah. which Castlevania game they're talking about.
4: I think it's just Castlevania, Castlevania.
0: Yeah. Anyway, since so this Japanese PC is amazing to play here and see, it's a rarity, but I highly suggest you try to find one and play these games. Cool scoop.
4: <laughs> That's so cool. I really like it. Yeah,
0: you'll see. Um Sam, make sure to look around the flea market next time you go or next. Yeah,
4: I know. I looked up a picture of, of what it looks like just so I can know. And it looks like a ridiculous PC from the eighties.
0: <laughs> you haven't ever seen it's one at really you haven't ever seen one at California Extreme?
4: Yeah, well, they do have that retro game room and like, you know, there's yeah. weird stuff in there, but that convention's not really focused on that. And I've never been to like a retro game convention, like he's mentioning that he uh attends, and that sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs>
0: Uh, okay, next up. This is Lewis Somerville. It says, I live in Northumberland in the United Kingdom. So my question for you is, are any of your favorite games the first of a particular genre you ever played? My reason for this question is that I've been playing video games since I was five years old. I'm now 29, but I always avoided RPGs. I'm not sure what exactly always put me off, but I just simply never gravitated towards them like I would pretty much every other genre. Then when Persona 5 was being advertised, it really caught my eye, and I decided to give it a go. I completed Persona 5, and then Persona 5 Royal, and Persona 5 Royal is now my favorite game of all time. Since completing Persona, I have gone on to play numerous other RPGs and JRPGs and thoroughly enjoyed pretty much all of them. So, did any of your favorite games introduce you to a new genre that you now enjoy playing? Mm -hmm. You never forget your first. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, I...
5: Super Metroid was probably my first Metroidvania. That's what I was going to say as
4: well. I mean, you wouldn't have had a lot of choices at the time. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Final Fantasy 1 is my favorite Final Fantasy. I love it.
3: It's just my so tough. Game at the time. It's so tough to answer this question because I, re- I was thinking about it, I think, maybe a little differently. Um, because I don't know, like, you start, like, I, I love RPGs, I love JRPGs, but I don't necessarily remember or connote one launching like the, my interest in the genre so much as it just having been like a regular part of my, my gaming habits and Mm -hmm. interests. Um, I imagine if there's a sports game that I really like that'll be the thing that gets me interested in it. Cause that's maybe one of the few genres that I don't play to come. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I thought about it really specifically. So I have a very specific, maybe not answering the question answer. Um, yep. But I thought about like left for dead is a very particular genre. Cause you could say it's like an online multiplayer game, shooter game, whatever. Um, but that kind of dynamic, especially where you're taking on like the, the player versus player environment is you taking on like these interesting different types of villains i really wanted to like evolve because it was sort of the follow-up to that genre and now i really want to like back for blood so i guess that counts as one and then i'd say burnout got me interested in the destroying cars in a semi-racing environment genre um, and to which the follow-up would be all of the burnout games but then also split second which uh, i don't think is a Commonly remembered game since it killed the studio a little bit or it didn't kill the studio, but it was like swan song.
0: Yes. Yeah, but second was a Disney game. Mm-hmm. Disney Whoa. interactive. Crazy. Yeah. Is definitely- why? Why isn't there still a car crashing genre today? It's insane. Right.
4: I know. Yeah. I mean, you to- get Especially when you had puzzle stuff. It's like that was such a brilliant combination. And you-, you could make things look amazing.
5: You get it is different. Forza Horizon scratches a similar ish, ish, itch where it's not so much the crashing, but doing weird, silly stuff in cars yeah, other than just racing races. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's good. Sure. I, like for me, I feel very validated by, um, like my taste that used to be kind of weird and out there. Like Dwarf Fortress is one of my favorite games of all time has now been pulled into the mainstream and you see stuff like, RimWorld and like logistics games, like conveyor belt games like satisfactory and Factorio and two points hospital. And you know, all these games sort of rising to the top of the PC gaming echelon and the top of the Steam charts, like sort of all other uh, origin back to games like Dwarf Fortress. And, um, that's been really gratifying and fun to see. And, um, you know, the through line of that from me is like baby gamer Justin now to to grown man, adult Justin, and, and you have more choices than other ever for, for that style of game has been really awesome and fun. But uh, I still think the original uh, Dwarf Fortress takes the crown for me personally. So mm-hmm. I suppose that might be another example.
0: If, if someone are interested in playing Dwarf Fortress for the first time, is it? Is it...
5: <laughs> it's coming. It,
0: it's, Do you need to like, actually, read a, like read like a primer on it
5: first? Yeah. So the game is um, absolutely impossible to understand in every way, Um, but uh, it's free. You know, the game was just ran off donations for a long time and then they launched a Patreon. But here's, what's interesting about that, Damon, is they're launching a steam version that uh, actually brings, it's the same game. It's not like a, uh, a watered down version, but instead of being like ASCII art, it's actually tile art. They're having someone make pixel art for it. So it'll have real graphics and then they're fixing up some of the menus and some of the user interface stuff to be a little bit more understandable and less yes. less insane. Um so yes, so uh get the steam version and then you as a human being will actually be able to play Dwarf Fortress. Okay, cool. Um and you know, it is one of those things that if you commit to it and have the wiki by your side like you can understand it like anything else, but if I hadn't been playing that game off and on for 15 years like no, I th- I think it would feel impossible. Hmm.
0: Uh, one of my favorite games that I mention on the show fairly often is Shadowgate, huh. and that was my entry point to uh, point-and-click adventures. What's so funny?
4: Well, it, was it, it was like a, a great lion. perspective yeah. cat effect there because she like walked by like in the distance uh, as like this little tail, and then all, yeah. all of a sudden it was all the it's tail, just a big like puff of a tail. tail.
3: <laughs> yeah, she, I, a li- she did a little. A uh, she did a little back leg yoga stretch that I was hoping <laughs> would show up on camera. That's her. That's her specialty <laughs> move. It's very cute. Anyway, just one leg games. Just the one leg.
0: Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> anyway Sorry, shadowgate is one of my favorite games and that was the first point click adventure i played which led to maniac mansion day of the tentacle uh indiana jones and the last crusade all that good stuff
4: i mean it's rare that like now i'm like oh i'm gonna try a new genre of game because like i have tried basically everything and yeah. you know i guess like a 3d madden would feel really <laughs> new to me now or something like that fighting games you know, I, I don't know. I, I, sometimes I give games a shot that I wouldn't expect that are going to be great, but I wouldn't call those genres like, I mean, Yakuza. Honestly, that came out of nowhere, and it's like, wow, mm. it turns out that the series is amazing.
0: Yeah. Okay, real quick question from Chris he says, first time, long time, love the show. I think the only other content I consume more than Scoop is The Simpsons and The Office. I oh, mean, okay. come on, that's some stiff competition, right? Good company. Yeah. He says my question is directed mainly at Sam. I have been on the fence about getting a pinball game. Well, I would love to scoop up a traditional physical table. They're a bit on the pricey side. I've been seeing lots of digital tables out there, most notably the one from at games. What's your take on them in general, given that they can be 10% of the price of a physical table. Would you recommend a pleb like me picking one up?
4: Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. So I, uh, I think the virtual games are, are, I would try those in console form. So I think that there's a really good use case to be made for like playing those to learn rules for pinball machines because they're really complicated and learning the rules is a really fun part of playing pinball, not just skills, right? It's learning the actual game, like in Monster Bash, you collect all the monsters and then you uh, you have a Monster Bash you put on a show. Like that's the plot of that game and, assembling the band is really fun and easy to learn. All the other games are much more complex than that. That's like the easiest game to learn. And so once you, you, you want to use virtual machines to do that. But in terms of having a, a, like a virtual machine to play those on, like with the buttons and you can nudge and everything, I don't think that leap is that great. Like, I, I think it's just fine to play a bunch of games with a controller on your TV. And like, I think pinball arcade is amazing, even though it's been retired now. And now it's a uh, Zen pinball has the license for all real games, But getting real games and playing virtual pinball machines at home. Very fun. I don't think you need a, a machine to do that. Now, if you were interested in like a game room and like doing something fun for like, you know, in your house to have like a, a something that looks good. That's another reason to get a real pinball machine. They look really good. The art's really nice on them you go back into the 70s, you can match art with like a cool retro house you have, you know, something like that. That's one reason to have them. And then if you're worried about um, you know, cost, there's all kinds of ranges of pinball machine pricing and cost, you know, depending on uh, how far back you go. Um, in new machines, new pinball machines, some of those are actually cheaper than old ones, by the way. So look into that. But I'd also say there's another joy to owning a pinball machine, and that's learning mechanical and electrical skills. You will be forced to use them or have a friend. That you'll maybe make very good friends with have to come over and fix your games a lot. They break all the time, or if they don't break all the time, you want to keep them in really good shape so they don't break. And it's just been uh, one of my life's greatest pleasures to learn the skills involved in maintaining all machines. Also, gateway to pinball, arcade machines. Hmm. Maybe get a Miss Pac Man cocktail table or something. Those are always really fun. Oh my goodness, (laughs) we're getting just the most amazing framed shot here. (laughs)
0: For all all of our listeners, there's some good cat action happening. You
3: have to tune into this episode. Good cat episode. (laughs) And that brings us to the
0: video game of 20 questions. Our suggestion this week comes from Isaac from San Jose, California. Let the questioning begin.
4: Good to hear from a local. Mm -hmm. Um.
3: Is this a Nintendo game?
0: like what do you like how what, what's that nintendo get like made by nintendo
3: is it on a nintendo mm. which one's better is it on a nintendo platform or is it developed by nintendo
0: i was cute. going a little
3: bit thematically with the nintendo switch stuff
4: yeah i okay. think it's fine to know if it's on the platform
3: all right is it on a nintendo platform
0: no <laughs> okay. oh, well, that's
4: well really, either yeah, way <laughs> yeah. that's really cool um, is this a uh, an action game, a puzzle game or an RPG? Yes.
3: OK. Is Should this narrow it down. Go ahead. When, sure.
5: Yeah. When this game came out, was it exclusive
4: to a console? No. Is it an RPG? No. So action or puzzle? So almost certainly not a puzzle game, right? But what if it is? Do you you kill stuff in this
0: game? Um, Wow, that's a pretty good question. (laughs) It's
4: it's probably
5: don't think so. I think it's either Puzzle Fighter or (laughs) the
0: the Witness. That's five.
3: So wait, what was the answer?
0: You actually, I I don't think you kill things in this game.
3: Okay, so he emphasized kill. Maybe you like. Take over a thing.
0: You
5: fight things. You beat. You knock people right, out. You
3: knock them out. So it's like a Batman game.
5: Yeah, it's like Yaku- yeah. Yakuza. It's a mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. You, maybe you Is that action? I guess. Out. Yeah, I suppose that's on the action side of things. I think so, um, is it part of a series?
4: No. So it's not Batman. Or Yakuza. It, or Yakuza. Is it 3D, is it 3D graphics? Yes. It's
5: so one-off. One
1: off.
5: Multi-console, but not Nintendo. Should we go years? Did this game come out on a Sega console? No. So, PlayStation Xbox. Unless it's like Graphics and NES, in which case we're toast.
4: Uh, you know, it's after... T-
3: Wait, if we you don't ask- graphics. Oh, yeah, 3D graphics. Yeah, um, you're... Uh, if it...
4: Yeah, I think it's going to be after 2000, but maybe after 2010. I don't yeah, know.
5: I mean, it's definitely on... Uh, not definitely, but almost definitely on the PlayStation and Xbox consoles, but not Nintendo consoles. 3D action game, no sequels.
4: There's PC and mobile and stuff. Um, or 3D, it, pu- 3D puzzle game.
3: Is it except. published by one of the E3, you know, press conference, mm-hmm. that question?
0: That's... A gray area, but for the sake of this, let's say yes.
3: Okay, so they don't do it anymore. So like Konami, maybe um, who else doesn't do?
4: I don't know. Activision, Capcom.
3: Yeah, Activision.
5: I don't know if they've ever done one.
3: Yeah, they do like. Yeah, they do like presentations, but at E three. But I don't know that it counts as like a press conference style. Activision. These days, yeah, they'll have like. Back in the,
4: the Activision has right. definitely done an E3 presentation. Before.
5: They had that huge party Christ. that one year where Eminem was there.
3: Uh, Should we go Japan, US? Yes. Yeah, uh, is it a game from the US?
0: No, that's ten. Okay,
3: so Konami, Capcom, possibly, possibly puzzle, possibly action, one off,
0: and. Hold on. You said the game said so the game's not f- like okay, sorry. The game is not developed in the US. That's the question I was answering.
3: Okay.
5: Do you do you do a lot of punching, punching and kicking in this game?
0: Hmm. I don't think that's really uh I don't think that's the emphasis of this game.
3: Hmm. What? So it's probably puzzle, or I guess it could be more on the stealth level of action. That's not, that's, that's antithetical.
4: I don't, I don't know. Um, I just can't get it, get anywhere near what this game is. Uh,
3: maybe we can go protagonist-wise, like, do you play as a human or something? Yeah, it's so. awful. Do you play as a human, Damon? Yes. <laughs> Everything's a question.
4: <laughs> Everything's a so weird about this. this, this yeah, should be a very weird game. Mm. Some,
0: you know. Y- yeah, we'll, 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 maybe there'll, be like, some, it, there'll be some be interesting conversations to be had. At maybe it's that, like Res. The end of this, but
4: or um, what's or um, super hot or something like that. Super hot. Like really abstract.
3: Right. Like are you really yeah. a human? Yeah. You're more representative. Jamie, is, this a, is this an artsy game? Yes.
0: Yeah, well, that's pretty hard. That's like what, what can you that's open What do you mean by artsy?
3: Also, it's definitely yeah. not super hot, so if you were going for that direction, don't.
0: Yeah. But you don't nobody
4: in
5: super hot's real, are they? Isn't I don't know. Yeah, the, it's
3: just a shooty game. So, and you certainly kill people, right? You
5: die. Well, you, you destroy the red beings, but isn't the premise of the game that you're in a computer or something like that? Damon, what's the lore of Superhot?
3: Okay, then yeah, maybe it could be <laughs> Matrix style.
5: Yeah, I don't know. Actually, I never played the sequel. It's on my list.
3: Uh, oh, maybe wait. we can okay, go well, on we, the we, fantasy sci-fi so, route then.
0: To address um, some previous questions like do you kill things <laughs> and are you kicking and punching there may be like moments of that sort of typical video game sort of action in in this game but it's not the focus and you're not really killing things.
4: Okay so it could be, be like Phoenix Wright or something like that,
3: that well that's sure. part of a series
5: except it's either an action game or a puzzle game but but yeah like that sort of
0: thing
4: is this a puzzle game?
0: No. Well I mean <laughs> No, it's more action. Definitely more on the more on, more on the action side.
4: Wow! So we hit—it's a puzzle action game, puzzly action game. All right.
0: Maybe it's you must build a boat.
4: Yeah, maybe. <laughs> That's kind of, maybe yeah. maybe switched it last minute. That's kind of <laughs> somebody from San Jose just wrote in.
5: It's kind of a puzzly right. action game. You're definitely killing monsters in that game. Mm-hmm. Matching three, slaying beasts.
4: Action seems weird. I mean, maybe this is like a game where you're just like jumping around like a endless runner or something.
5: Yeah, jetpack joyride, something weird.
4: Um punching yeah, punching kicking, no killing, none of that stuff. Um is it's, this a ve- is this a vehicular based game? No.
5: You're on foot. It's and it's 3D? Do we already yes. know that? Yeah, we yeah. already knew that one. <laughs> and didn't get any sequels, it's a one-off.
4: Um, is this a day game uh no
0: no not, not nothing against it. I don't have any hard feelings against it, but no not a day game and that's we it. no
4: hard feelings sorry. Yeah.
0: we all we all know we all know what a day game means
4: mm-hmm.
0: you know it when you see it. That's what the
5: Supreme Court said <laughs> <laughs>
4: um,
5: Is this played from a first person perspective no.
4: Right. So you can see your character, but you're not killing stuff.
5: What's the, I'm trying to think about, like, non-lethal. What's a game oh. where you're running around knocking people out? And then I thought about, like, Metal Gear. But like or this,
4: thing as you didn't mention.
5: Yeah, like, but then the, there's still plenty of killing in Metal Gear. Like, um, What's a game where you're just putting people to sleep the whole time? Something it's n-
4: it's not an indie game because it has something like an E3 press conference publisher.
5: Oh yeah, I forgot about that.
4: Plan as and a he wouldn't answer my art question. Subjective. Well yeah. What should we ask about realistic graphics? It could be like a really cartoony poly- polygonal polyg- thing. I just I can't picture what's happening with this game.
5: No, oriented. what was the
4: oh, do, and we didn't get into genre at all, right? Fantasy, sci-fi.
3: We, we didn't sci-fi do that sci-fi. side of genre. No, okay. no does not it does seem like game? it's something? Yeah,
4: Damon. is this a sci-fi yeah. game?
0: No, it is not a sci-fi game.
4: What was the human question? He was kind of. Do you play, you play as a
3: human? Things? And it's yes. He said the be a conversation about it afterwards. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> That's weird for sci-fi.
3: You did. So, you were like, not, you guys will talk about sci-fi. this later. Rewind the tape, Damon. I <laughs> yeah. okay. we'll we'll also talk want about to it. see the cat again. <laughs> yeah, to unpack okay,
0: you got two questions to a guess. Oh, wow. Uh, well, we're bound,
3: so. <laughs> I mean, we were onto something with the side-scrolling thing. Like, if it's like, an endless every, runner.
5: But we know it's 3D. right. The E3 press conference thing is interesting. I'm trying to, like, in my mind, I've been running through, like, indie showcases that, like, EA has held at, like, their press conference or that, like, you know, Square Enix or um, IDOS has done in the past.
3: I would assume it's one that doesn't do press conferences and to this day. I think the
0: except key I here, said Except I said yes to that question.
3: Yes. You said for the purposes... What does that mean? Tina likes to
5: spend a lot of time reading into Damon's reads. And it
3: works. It works
4: every time. Uh, Yeah, okay. So I think the key here is probably that it's an action game where you're not killing a bunch of things. What does that mean for an action game? Like I thought it could mean driving. I thought it could mean...
5: Was it developed in the US?
3: Yeah. uh, No, we asked that question. So where was...
5: What about um, the game, the last game that it takes to Studio made. What was that one called? A way out. Mm-hmm. And then, didn't they make one more before that? Or was a way out their first one? Joseph Ferris's studio. Can't recall. Yes. Do we know. Do we know if it has multiplayer? If it's single player
4: only?
3: The game in question. No, we don't no, we know. We don't
4: know. <laughs> Does this game have multiplayer? Yes. uh
3: Oh. Mm
5: uh what about like what about that what about gang beasts like very some specific well I'm just thinking about
4: i don't know what that is that's
5: the that's the physics game where you're like grabbing and throwing people over ledges and stuff like that I'm trying to think about like goofy multiplayer
0: experiences
3: now it's still three d
0: yeah for you for your last question, <laughs> you should probably use the hack yeah
3: have, have we mentioned, mentioned this, this game?
0: Yes. Uh, okay. But
4: now we have to get it.
3: Yeah. <laughs> what do we say? I, I yeah. think
4: it's super hot. <laughs> it,
3: could, it could be because it does match the like, you're not really a human. You're not really killing things.
5: Uh, but we asked if it's first person, and the answer was no.
3: Oh, yeah. That's right. Okay.
5: What else have we mentioned?
3: What else have we mentioned where you're not? You're like a human, but it's debatable, or you're not really killing things.
4: I mean, Rez was the other one that I
5: could be, yeah, could be Rez. I mean, I don't know, I, I haven't played gang, I think it could be Gang Beasts. Yeah,
4: that'd be very strange.
5: That would what else to be
4: name dropped? Well, I don't know what Gang Beast is, so like, well, how uh, would we
3: put that well, you also have to relate it mean, back to the press
5: conference thing. We name dropped uh, right, right. it takes two, and we name dropped a way out.
3: I, I guess it could be,
5: and it has one the game has mul- the game has multiplayer with well, which res does of them not. You're
4: obviously, a human in another one. You're like a little squat, weird human, right? It takes two. I haven't played it yet. Same. Yeah, you're like a you're 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 like a yeah. I think you're like super deformed, basically.
5: It can't be res because that doesn't have multiplayer. Mm-hmm.
4: And then It Takes Two had, you know, some kind of involvement in an E3 press conference, but there was no E3 that year. So that could be the
3: thing. Oh, yeah.
5: I think that's as good a guess as any.
3: Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. Do it.
5: Is it It Takes Two?
0: It sure is.
4: Nice.
0: (laughs) Which is just out this year. And mm-hmm. it's published published by EA, so that's the e, that's the E3 press conference switch. They still have a press mm-hmm. conference, but it's not it's E3 adjacent,
3: right? Right, because they're technically like EA Play individual.
0: Yeah, and this is co op only. There's no single player in this game, and the whole premise is that this um, uh, these married couples getting divorced, and their daughter overhears it, and she goes to play with her dolls to role play them working it out. And then their souls are sort of like transported into the dolls and they're in this magical world and they have to work together to get back to the real world. And it's a lot of like environmental
2: puzzles mm-hmm. and challenges.
0: It's the, the focus, there's like, there's a lot of different type of scenarios in, in gameplay mechanics, but it's, so there, I think there's one where you're shooting monster trees that are coming at you, but it's like, that's not the main focus of the so let
4: there's me, I, no world in which we should have gotten that one. We, took, if we went with totally with the years thing, on the right
3: track. Thing, yes. a. I mean, we got it so clearly, but also if we went the year's direction or generation direction, yeah. it would have been far more obvious. I know. the game know need you can wrap. play today.
5: We like mm-hmm. something weird about. I want to play that game with my wife, but I think I want to spoil myself on whether the couple gets divorced in the end. Yeah, <laughs>
3: or not. it's Before, like, don't watch a marriage story with, with your significant yeah. other. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, agree, if, they, if
5: they escape and then they're like, okay, you know, we love each other, let's stay married. Like, cool. Or <laughs> yeah. if they're like, okay, no, we're still going to oh. split up. Because <laughs> I could very much see it going either way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I don't in that know. sense,
4: the game could be like those old school love testers in arcades, right? <laughs> maybe
5: they all oh, maybe based off your performance in the game, it changes the end.
0: Yeah. Oh. That's amazing. It is kind of a modern day love tester. Wow. Uh not a damie game, huh? Uh n- nothing uh cooperative is really gonna be a a Dame-y game these days, but it's fine. I know
3: the,
0: the <laughs> okay. game has its has lots of uh supporters, and IGN gave it a nine. Mm -hmm. So thank you for the suggestion. Isaac from San Jose, California. Viewers and listeners, if you have your own suggestions for video game 20 questions, email them to me at the email address, gamescoop at IGN.com. That is all the scoops that we have for you this week. Thank you to Tina. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Justin. Thank you to Alan working behind the scenes, making this episode possible. My name is Damon. This is IGN Gamescoop, And we're out.
2: heard the name Mary, Queen of Scots, and maybe you know the importance of her legacy to the British monarchy. But how much do you know about her life and what she was really like? For instance, did you know that she preferred to have her eggs scrambled, or that giving gifts was her love language? In my podcast, Vulgar History, we'll be talking about all that and more during an eight-part mini-series about the fascinating life of Mary, Queen of Scots. Vulgar History is a feminist women's history comedy podcast where we don't shy away from the messy, complicated lives of women from the olden times. Particularly with women in history, it's easier to use broad strokes to portray who they were. And it's like we forget they probably also had messy lives, complicated relationships, and maybe things weren't as black and white as they might seem in a textbook. But I'm dedicated to sharing the sides of the stories we don't always hear, and each episode is supported by rigorous historical research. Turns out there's really something about Mary Queen of Scots. So be sure to turn into my series about Mary Queen of Scots and check out the other incredible women I've talked about while you're there. You can listen and subscribe to Vulgar History wherever you get your podcasts and learn more at vulgarhistory.com.